But we're not ignorant here and we're not apathetic because you've all shown up to hear the next in the series, God Gives His Spirit Without Limit. Now we're focused on Paul's letter to Corinth and the Corinthians had really started to, oh, you've already started, that's good, had already started to run with the Spirit and uh, they just really needed some guidance because things were getting a little out of control. Paul reminds us that we are one body but with many parts. Not all have the same task or even the same gifting, but we all do have a part to play. Now the church was going through some pretty unsettling times. How is it that the Holy Spirit can be active and yet there's all this craziness going on in the church? I guess in farming terms we could say if the barn is full there will be mess. And indeed, there was mess. And we shouldn't be anxious about mess. Mess tells us that there is, in fact, a herd in the stall. That's okay. But we should remember, with the Holy Spirit's guidance, to clean out the stalls and to keep things on the straight and narrow. Ah, so what would be the antidote for the Corinthian church, where there have divisions, sexual immorality, at the same time as the Holy Spirit's release, this is crazy. They've got lawsuits, unequal sharing, boasting, and clamoring over gifting. Well, there it is. God gives his spirit without limit, but what's love got to do with it? And with apologies to Tina Turner, the short answer is everything. This Corinthians 13 passage is a big one. So I've decided to break it up into three bits. And we deal with the question as to why is love important? What is love? And where does love lead us? Why, what and where? Let's hit the next one. So why is love important? Well, let's pick it up in verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Why is love important? Without it, I'm bankrupt. Even if I, so-called, have it all, but don't have love, I'm destitute. Now, I'm sure the Corinthian church was excited to see the Spirit move, as they should be, because God's in their midst. They wanted to hear the prophecies. They wanted to see gifts of healing, of wisdom, knowledge, faith, tongues. But if love is not the motivation for their fervor, Paul tells us it would amount to zilch, nada, nothing. 
Now we should be aware that Paul is not saying, let's put the spiritual gifts aside as though we should focus on love at the exclusion of the Holy Spirit's gifting. No, that's not it at all. Rather, we should be exercising the spiritual gifts in the maturity of love. Surely that's the way to go. Why is love important? Well, the simple thing is that love lasts. Inflation will eat up your little nest egg. Decay will eventually rot your house away. Decay will eat up your, your cars. It'll eat up your possessions. Old age will diminish your youthful vigor. And I can attest to that. Things don't last, but love does. Psalm 105, I'm sorry, 100 verse 5 says, The Lord is good. His love endures forever. Now that means no matter what you've done, who you've done it with, or for how long you've been doing it, God's love for you is always available. You just need to respond. Okay, let's have a look at what. What is love? We pick it up in verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonour others. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Wow, what a list. How can I measure up to that? It's quite challenging but only if you treat it as a list. This is not a list whereby we beat ourselves up out of obligation, saying, I must, I should, I've got to, I have to. Instead of forcing ourselves to be more intense, we need to be more intentional. As we live and breathe and work, admit, give room for your intention. The intention is to know God more deeply. The fact that you're here is evidence of that. That should encourage you. We need to keep the main thing, the main thing. And what is that? To know and to show the love of God. That's pretty simple. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, we read, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Wow! He that doesn't love doesn't know God, for God is love. Aha, you say, so God is love. Why don't we substitute the word God in 1 Corinthians 13 and see if that makes a difference? God is patient. 
Yes, God is kind. I won't do them all. God does not dishonour others. God always protects, always trusts, always hopes. God never fails, just as we sang earlier tonight. People may say, look, I can't do anything with God. I don't know what he's like. He's so distant. Then you can say, look, here he is. 1 Corinthians 13. This is our God. He never fails. Furthermore, I'm guessing that you want to encourage the Holy Spirit in our midst. I'm guessing that you want to see him move in power and strength. Then maybe we should embrace God's character to build a habitat that is Holy Spirit consistent so that he's welcome. If we live by the Spirit, come on, let's walk in the Spirit. When you're being intentional, keeping the main thing the main thing, opportunities just seem to bubble up out of nowhere as you heed the gentle nudge of the Holy Spirit. Now in September oh, 2020, I was challenged by Roy Godwin's book uh, called The Grace Outpouring. And I brought it with me. If anybody wants to borrow it, I can recommend it. It will lift your spirits and who knows what God will do with you. But in this book, Roy Godwin was saying, look, it is much easier to pray, I'm sorry, to bless a stranger publicly than it is to intimidate them by praying over them publicly. Let me show you what I mean. <laughs> I was travelling back to Sydney from Perth on the plane and the guy opposite across the aisle just wanted to talk. So I stopped what I was doing and sparked up. Maybe there's an opportunity to, to share our hearts. Let's see what happens. And so we talked. He was a FIFO worker. He'd been away for four months from his family in remote WA. He had a wife and two daughters. COVID restrictions were now being eased and so he'd been able to finagle two weeks leave to get back to the Central Coast. His wife had no idea he was coming and that was probably why he was so pumped and he wanted to talk to me. That's fine. We had a great conversation about the Central Coast, about how valuable family is, about mortgages, about being disciplined at work, about working hard just for a time, just to achieve, uh, get a little ahead. And then he mentioned that his broader family, well, they were critical of how they were living, especially with the attendant family stress of being away from each other for long periods of time. I threw out a couple of feelers, but there really wasn't any God moment. It was just good conversation. I settled back in my seat, leaving it to the Lord. And then the Holy Spirit prompted me, Mike, if you were to bless him, what would you say? What? No, seriously, he's a stranger. I wouldn't know what to say. I'd probably start with something really simple <laughs> from what I've learned of the conversation. But surely, surely you do not want me to speak out a blessing over this guy. Well, for now, let's just say it's hypothetical. <laughs> 
So, okay, all right, I had a few thoughts and I left it at that. The plane landed, we were separated, and then I saw him at the baggage carousels further away from where all the other bags were coming. Oh, that's strange. But then I remembered that he had an oversized bag. So, trying to be helpful, I went up to him and said, oh, look, the um, bag services uh, department's over there. He said, oh, I've already been there, Mike, and they sent me back to this, this carousel. Oh, okay, that's great. And then it's just like, <laughs> Mike, if you don't speak up, this opportunity will be lost. But, but, but... Suddenly, I find myself saying something like, look, Mark, thanks for sharing your story and your obvious delight in surprising your wife. Love is certainly something to celebrate. And it's really encouraged me. Do you mind if I offer a blessing over you before we go? Oh, you're crazy, Mike. Sure, that'd be fine. Oh, okay. And then out of nowhere, I'm saying something like, in the name of Jesus, I bless you so that the love you and your wife have for each other would continue to grow. <laughs> regardless of the circumstance, regardless of what other people say. Furthermore, as your love increases, may your knowledge of Father God also increase. For he is the source of all love. Bless you. What's going to happen now? <laughs> a big, broad smile lit up his face. He said, wow, thank you. And then he stepped back and he made the sign of the cross. <laughs> he must have thought I was a priest. <laughs> oh, boy. We said our goodbyes and that conversation is left to the Lord. It was so simple. In an environment of expectation, availability, trust, belief, love, the Holy Spirit was there and filled in all the gaps. I was so thrilled to have been included in that blessing. And here's the not-so-secret secret. secret. When God blesses others through us, we get blessed. <laughs> we get so blessed that we want to come back for more. And that was my case. All right, so where does love lead us? Here we go. We'll pick the story up in the second part of the verse 8. Where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. My friends, we only partly understand now. And that's why we need faith. But when, 
when we see Jesus face to face, all will be revealed. We will fully understand and we will be fully known. That's kind of neat, isn't it? A lot of our relationships, a lot of our involvement with other people is our desire to be known. And yet God sees us now. He knows us now. But we will realise we're fully known when we see him fully. So as we exercise our faith and hope, and as we experience God's love, we get a taste of his kingdom now and also of what is yet to come. So where does love lead? Love leads us to the very heart of God. When we operate in his love, we learn more of who he is. We find that he wants to include us in his love. He wants to release the power of the Holy Spirit in our ordinary, everyday lives. To cut across the things that bog us down. To release us. Okay. These actions of faith, hope and love are meant to carry us to completion. And so here are three things that lead us to completeness. Now the Bible references are there in red. Faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. Hope is holding a confident expectation that God would fulfill all his promises. The God who creates universes the God who created you and me, who breathed life into us, who gave us a God consciousness. I think that God can be trusted to fulfill what he promises, don't you? Hebrews tells us to hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And this hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And love, well, that's pretty obvious, isn't it? We love because he first loved us. These are not just nice-sounding words. They're actions. They're doing words. Things that you actively pursue and engage in. And the greatest is love. Love drew us to Christ and love will draw us home. Ah, oh, Mike, it all sounds so simple. It sounds so easy, but there are roadblocks. Oh, roadblocks, I keep stumbling and falling down. Let's consider some of these roadblocks. I'm sure you can identify with some of these, but probably have your own as well, and we add to the long, long list. But let's just work with four. A roadblock that I find is myself, where I work against myself. This is where I lift up on one hand and then pull down on the other. This is where I agree with God, but uh, then on the other hand, I offer a negative. For every reason why we should, ha, we can find and argue and counter with a why not. Why are we working against ourselves? We want the Holy Spirit to be unleashed. So let him go. Let him be. Let him surge. And when you get that net gentle nudge, accept it. Step up. 
Just see where God leads you. Another roadblock is agreeing with our accusers. Yeah, you're stuffed up, you idiot. Oh man, you're right. I'm such a fool. I'm not fit to be a Christian. You are correct. You are not fit to be a Christian. It is only God's grace that equips us to be his children. So in failure, don't stay there. You're forgiven. A new start is available. A new start again and again and again and again and again and again and again. We don't have to be stuck in our failures. Failures do not define us. Stop beating yourself up. Don't agree with your accusers. Get on with God and what he says about you. You are my child. I love you. Ah, the next one I deal with is misunderstanding how much God loves us. Oh, surely he only cares about really, really good people. <laughs> but it was while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us. When we didn't have an inkling as to the goodness of God, he was willing to die for us. How much more when we're down the track and we're moving with God, will he stand by us, support us and draw us on? If we can't fully experience his love, I think we're going to find it hard to share his love. So stretch out, taste and see that the Lord is good and that his love for us endures. The fourth one, failing to surrender control. Guilty. <laughs> we say, oh, but what's going to happen to me? If I speak up, what will others think? <gasps> and now that's related to the first point. We can find ourselves saying, I trust in you, O Lord, but not for that. <laughs> oh, boy. I think fear is the seed around which most of our roadblocks are built. Fear. It captures us and holds us back from moving on. So what's the solution? Let's click again. John reminds us in 1 John 4 verse 18, we need have no fear of someone who loves us perfectly. His perfect love for us eliminates all dread of what he might do with us. His perfect love for us negates, evaporates, dissipates all fear, all worry, all concern. We're going to finish up. You've heard the word. Now let's put it into action in this week as we go forward. Full of faith, hope and love. <laughs> Relegating our fears to history. Letting them evaporate like mist in the warmth of the sun. One of the good things that we do here at Viva is to pray for each other. And I wonder if we could have an opportunity to do that now. <laughs>